today we're talking about preparing for Holy Week, and we brought some Christian leaders with us from diverse denominations. And I'm going to go from, uh, you know, from your broadcast style from the left to the right. So we want to welcome uh, Pastor Matt Judd. He is from Glenway United Methodist Church. Welcome, Matt. Hi, how you doing? I'm doing great. Father Shane Matthew from Gannon University. Welcome, Shane. Hello, thank you for having me. We appreciate you being here. We've got Pastor Colby Atkins from Elevate Church. Hi, Colby. Hey, Joel. How's it going? Great. And Pastor Lamech Marsh from Gerard Alliance Church. Hi, Joel. Thank you so much. And, and we're going to, and again, when we uh, when we were talking, we'll jump right on that microphone here. So I want to get some origin stories. We'll so, we'll so, And I think we got yours, Matt, before, but we'll remind people of, you know, how you grew up, how'd you get to Erie, you know, where'd you go to high school, that kind of thing. We'd like to... Oh, okay. Uh, so I grew up in North Hills of Pittsburgh and uh, ended up going to Grove City College for undergrad, Asbury Seminary for uh, for my MDiv. And Lamex, we found out we graduated 10 years apart, so I guess... Is that right? That means I'm getting <laughs> old. That's what that means. Um, There's a lot of people in ministry that go to Grove City, right? I mean... A lot go to Grove City. Um, and, and they're in the Reformed or Presbyterian tradition. Okay. And then a lot of, uh, from Wesleyan, the Wesleyan tradition, end up at Asbury. Gotcha. So yeah. uh, served six years in Erie, uh, then 11 years down in Butler County, then have been back here since 2014 at Glenwood. Beautiful, so beautiful. That's how I landed here. Father Shane, uh, where did you go to, uh, to high school and seminary and so on? I went to high school at Mercier's Prep here in Erie. Uh, hey, we're both Lakers, man. Yeah, That's yeah, awesome. Lakers. Yeah. Uh, then Gannon University for undergraduate. I did my graduate work at St. Mary's Seminary in Baltimore. Uh, was ordained in 2005. And since then, I've been in ministry in Punxsutawney, Sharon, uh, Erie for now a second stretch, and Oil City. Okay, so uh, your work at, at Gannon, you're an educator, mm-hmm. you, you do theology? Yes. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. And, but you also help out at St. Jude and Our Lady of Peace on the weekends, right? I do. You, you serve, uh, serve Mass and also d- d- take uh, penance, sacrament of penance? Do From time to time. Weddings uh, and all that stuff? Very rarely, mostly just Sunday Masses. Okay, gotcha. I mean, all, all these guys have to do weddings and funerals, and, you know, uh, I mean, it's, it's part of the job, right? Uh, <laughs> Pastor Colby Atkins, uh, come on up and, and share how, how uh, your connection with Erie. How, did you grow up here, or did you come on? Or, no, no? I'm not, not from here at all. I tell people I'm a mutt, so I'm kind of from <laughs> everywhere. And it's, it would be a really long story for me to share, it. I don't want to take up everybody's time, but uh, my wife and I came out here about 10 years ago or so now, and uh, planted Elevate Church seven years ago, and it's yeah. a non-denominational church. And um, we're, we're we know where you went to high school, like what town did you Mills go? E. Godwin in Richmond, Virginia. Oh, okay. That was high school for me. Uh, lived in Florida, Virginia, California, Texas, Arkansas. Wow, wow, everywhere. So I went to college at Asbury. Uh, okay. Did my undergrad stuff there, and. After graduating from college, worked at SeaWorld, trading the whales, dolphins, sea lions, otters. In uh, Orlando? or I started at SeaWorld of Ohio. Ohio. And when they sold that park, it was actually the second oldest park. When they sold that park before selling it, we transferred down to Orlando. Okay. To almost down there with us. And my wife is, uh, she's actually the better end of this whole deal. She's a CPA. She's brilliant. Yeah. And uh, so we, this was... 
the furthest thing from our radar was to come to Erie and to ever plant a church. Uh, but but we love it. We wouldn't change the direction That's at all. That's fantastic. So. so we have an inside scoop. If we ever do that Erie Aquarium on the Bayfront, we go. know who to call. Let's go. <laughs> Pastor Colby's down with it, and and, and, uh, Pastor Lane McMarsh. Now, I I know the Marsh family, but I got to ask you: Did you grow up in Corey? Yeah, well, you grew up at at, at, yeah. You grew up in Mill Creek. I grew up in Mill Creek. I went to uh, graduate from McDowell High School, Mm -hmm. and then. in Did you do the sports like your brothers? Or uh, yeah, I pole vaulted. Okay, um, uh, under vaulted under like Joe Joe yeah, Sanford, Coach right? Joe, Coach oh my gosh, yeah. he's great. He, uh, there's the, talk about an eerie legend. Yeah, know, right. He is. Um, but yeah, after, in 2001, I, I went to Liberty University, and uh, the reason why I chose that school over one of the other schools I was planning on was to pole vault because it was Division One. Nice. Um, and so I was excited about that, but I graduated uh, with a pastoral ministry uh, degree, and then I went on to uh, to Asbury Seminary from 2006 to 2008. And so uh, I got my first ministry position at Gerard Alliance Church as the youth pastor in 2008, and I've been there ever since. So I, I find from- it uncanny that we have three uh, totally random. We have three graduates of Asbury yeah. here. That's yeah. incredible. Asbury. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, great, great to hear the story. Again, a family show. We, we love to tell these stories. And, you know, you know, half the time the people that come here are, are like uh, me and Father Shane, you know, you know, are you a Laker? Are you a bison? Are you, you know what I mean? So it's great to have some diversity. Of course, you're a Trojan, Lamech. Yeah. Go Trojans. Go Trojans. Yo. All right. So let's get to it here. It's Holy Week next week. And, um, you know, somebody, somebody shout out, you know, why is this the most important uh, week of the year for the church? I mean, uh, you know, why don't you try that, Lehman? I would say it's the most important because it it is the difference of any other religion. Uh, you know, in in First Corinthians fifteen, Paul talks about how if Christ was not raised, uh, we would still be dead in our sins and our faith would be futile, and so. Um, the fact that we recognize and celebrate Christ's death and resurrection is 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 pivotal um, mm-hmm. to our faith and our belief in in God. So, well, let's okay. So let's get a. Um, so does anybody else want to weigh in on that? Uh, uh, we can get into um, you know kind of a biblical history lesson here. Yeah. Uh, so all right. So let's talk about that week of the Passion. All right. Um, and uh, the major events that happened. Now, we, we were just reading, uh, I think, at our church about, um, you know, what led up to Palm Sunday, which is Jesus was hanging out with his friends, uh, Mary, Martha, and, and Lazarus, who has just recovered from the dead. And everybody was excited about Lazarus. And, and so uh, when Jesus was going to leave, what is it, Bethany, in, to go into uh, Jerusalem— they did the Palm thing. Uh, Pastor Matt, uh, continue the story about Palm Sunday. Okay, no pressure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm rattling my mind through all yeah. of the rationale. So, so Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey, um, and that's a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. But what's really significant, and I always like to remind uh, my folks of this, is that Jesus comes into Jerusalem 
on a donkey, it's a sign of humility because normally uh, if you were coming for war or for battle, you came in on a horse. Okay. So we think about Jesus is, is coming uh, to conquer death and hell and the grave, but he comes from a, a posture of humility. That's good. Um, and, and so, you know, the, the Jews in the time were expecting a nationalistic savior. The Romans needed to be destroyed and kicked out. Um, and Jesus had all kinds, there's all kinds of upset around what Jesus was doing and teaching. And yet when he comes in, he comes in in an unexpected way. Uh, and so then you just kind of carry that through Holy Week. Just it continues to be unexpected each time. Jesus does something, the people are saying, that's not what we want. That's not what we expect. That's not what we anticipated. Yeah. Which I think is significant for us in the Absolutely. journey. And, and, and so, and, and as you read the Gospels, there's lots of different things that's happening during this week. There's, there's, a, there's an extreme amount of granularity, uh, depending on what part of the Gospels that you're reading, about that week of the Passion, Right. And so I'm going to go to you, Pastor Colby, about Holy Thursday. He tells these guys, hey, set up the, set up the, the supper. Can you uh, take the story from there? Sure, man. Tells them to go in, in town, and you're going to find this donkey and ask him for this room, uh, and they'll give it to you. Um, then they go up for, obviously, the, the Last Supper. And, you know, I've, I've been standing in what they thought was the room. I don't know if oh, seriously? His yeah. Room, but it's, no. just a, it's, it's a bigger space than I would have thought. And I think what's significant about it is that as Jesus is sitting around the table, you know, with his disciples, just the idea of him saying, this is my body, you know, this is my blood, um, all that. I don't think they really understood the significance of the moment, right? They didn't really grasp that until Jesus was actually led away at that time. He kind of points out Judas and they don't get that whole thing. You know, oh, he's probably just going to pay a bill, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, they're you know just setting up some. There's there there's some really, I don't know. It's move. It's moving. What's that? What's transacting in that in that upper room where the supper is happening? Absolutely. And I think it just is a reminder that Jesus experienced a lot of what we experience. You know, with people betraying us, people hurting us. You know, as Judas had, even though we were close you know, to people. And so I think it all just points to his humanity, but also ultimately to his, you know, being God, fully man, fully God at the same time. And so I just think there's a lot to learn, even just from that night and what's significant about it. Um, of course, going into the, the garden, being led away. I don't know how far you want me to go. Stay, yeah, okay, yeah, stay with Thursday here. So the concept is, you know, um, he, he he goes away, he, and the, um, just a few of him follow uh, to the Garden of Gethsemane, right? Yeah, um, well, several follow, but then he tries to pull three aside, right? His his favorite three, and says, I want you to pray with me. You know, he kind of pulls those guys away, but they couldn't stay up, you know, with yeah. him, even to pray mm-hmm. with him. Um, but I love the fact that, you know, in the Garden, um, Jesus goes to God. You know, he prays to God, and he says, hey, if there's any way for this not to happen— Right, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, your will be done. Because so, he knows everything, so he knows absolutely. what's about to come. And there's dread and suffering. There's and, dread and all the physical effects that happened to him in that moment, for sure. But then I love the fact that he also went to these guys, his trusted three, three in his inner circle as well. So it's not only that we should go to God and bear our heart and soul to him, but we go to people around us 
And I, I think I love I love the fact that we're sitting around this table, even talking about it, people where we lay down our, you know, egos, logos, if there were any, that kind <laughs> yeah. of thing, and just can come to one another, you know, like Jesus did in that moment, just, hey, I want you guys to pray for me. Mm-hmm. How can you be with me in this and partner with me? And we know the story, they couldn't, they couldn't stay up, you know, to yeah. do it, you know, but I, I just think there's something significant about going to God and then going to, you know, your, your friends as well, seeking those close friends during that wow. deepest, darkest hours of his life, really. When you think about it, and and we'll let you finish. He gets betrayed by Judas. Yep, with a kiss. Go figure. Um, yeah, and then you know again. Is as, there any metaphor there too, in addition to what we believe is kind of the actual action there? The actual action of the, of, of, of the kiss of the of the. Uh, would you say that there's there's metaphor built into that as well that we can learn from Judas's betrayal? I'm sure there is. Um, I haven't really. So Anybody want to weigh in on that? I mean, I mean, just just through our sin, through our, you know, messing up all yeah. the time. Yeah, I think the ones who are closest to us hurt us the most. Yeah. Mm. Oh my! Right? So you think about that, and yet Jesus continues to to speak forgiveness, even you know, to be betrayed by somebody that you don't know, you don't like, you're not going to see again. Eh, whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And that happens. We just kind of go with it but to be betrayed by somebody close at hand who's been with you for three years have them turn around and stab you in the back then for jesus to say to to continue to offer forgiveness i think that has something to say for us um and just the 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 life that we live the journey that we live we often have really good excuses not to forgive yeah that's good yeah, uh, and Jesus takes those away from us. And our heart is always bent towards something else, right? We knew Judas's heart from the beginning had a bent toward wealth, toward riches, you know, as we discovered earlier on when, you know, sitting around the table with the woman who came in, he's like, hey, you could have used that money, right. you know, for all this other stuff. So he already kind of has he's this already draw, got his own narrative that he's thinking about. Which is, right? lives inside of all of us, mm-hmm. right? We have these earthly, fleshly mm-hmm. kind of desires as well, you know, this this struggle, if you will. You know, between our flesh, what we want, and what God wants. Yeah. So. You know, Joel, <clears throat> when you think about that kiss, yeah, that kiss was premeditated. Oh, that yeah. came right yeah. out of his soul. Yeah. That's that's what a yeah. you know a deceitful person he was. Hmm. Who would come up with a kiss to betray their friend? Right. I mean, yeah. that was a dark human being. Wow. But the other thing you have to think about the kiss, though, too, is is they're in the garden, not much lighting. And the incredible thing about it is the kiss was to um, use as a, a sign of this is the one you need to take. I mean, Jesus in his earthly stature, in, in his physicality, there was, there was nothing really about Jesus that, that said, oh, that's got to be him. And so that kiss wasn't just I'm betraying him, but this, this kiss was to say, hey, this is the guy you need to arrest. Wow. Yeah, this was pointed out. Father Shane, and again, this is a very unique conversation we're having here, but we're taking the the tack that, you know what? Not everybody knows this story. We we are in a we're in a post-Christian era, and so uh, what we're talking about which, you know, some of us who grew up in with catechism or in Sunday school or or whatever, you know, have this in our brain, but 
you know, some the, some of our average folks don't. You just know a very cursory understanding of who Jesus really is and what happened that week of his passion. So, Father Shane, I, I, I purposely waited for Good Friday for you. So, if you would jump in on that, because I really want you to go through not only you know the you know what happened with the passion. But also, you know, if you take us through the Stations of the Cross, and we only have about eight minutes to do this, but uh, go ahead and, and kind of, because there's something in the tradition of the Stations that is, is very moving and, and, it, and it enhances our faith, I think. So, so, okay, so he gets betrayed, and he gets sent off with the Romans, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think you make a great point about memory and we can talk about post-christian non-christian sure uh but even in in the christian tradition you know as catholics uh we will read the passion this sunday yeah from matthew mark or luke Mm -hmm. and then on friday we'll read it again from john and we do this every year yeah right (laughs) um so so even for us maybe who have been uh, formed from our childhood in the christian faith uh, or have come to it and practice it actively as adults uh, we go back to remember. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not done remembering. Uh, and I think the Stations of the Cross in the Catholic tradition provide a, a great way to remember. Sure. You know, as Catholics, we take the idea of sacrament quite importantly. Sure. And we're not just talking about the seven Catholic sacraments. There's a, a broader principle of, of sacramentality at work that we can see the presence of God in the world. And so for us as human beings, I think we can understand that. It's why we have favorite possessions. It's why we have mm. things that remind us of, of people and places and events. And so from that, that principle of sacrament comes the Stations of the Cross okay. that begin actually in Jerusalem where people walk the walk, see the places, see the room, uh, imagine themselves in the crowd, carrying the cross, climbing climbing the hill, um, seeing the things, smelling the smells, uh, hearing the voices uh, as a way of immersing ourselves into the mysteries of Christ's cross. Um, And so this devotion, which begins by a physical walk in Jerusalem, Mm -hmm. extends through the Christian world through the devotion of the Stations of the Cross. Um, Pictures that, that, or even just simple crosses that, that in the Catholic tradition we hang in our churches, one for each of the of the thirteen or fourteen stations. Uh, you can have as few as nine or as many as twenty, depending okay. on who you ask. Right. Um, and and actually, sometimes even walking through the church yeah. um, and meditating station by station on various moments uh, in those last hours, uh, whether they're simple simple crosses. Uh, that I've seen in chapels to the three-quarter lifestyle's beautiful statue uh, imagination of the stations at St. Patrick's Church right, here in town. Here. Yeah. Um, by moving through and, and seeing those images, uh, God invites us uh, to ponder more deeply on, on how we participate in those realities and the grace that we receive from them as well. So, so Jesus, to be real practical... Jesus goes through this horrible, horrific time of shame, of beating, and then ultimately of crucifixion and then dying on Friday, on Good Friday. And, uh, um, you know, the, 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 the scripture reads the, the, the whole idea of uh, 
and, and again, whether it's Matthew, Mark, or Luke, Matthew likes to, to track all of the different uh, prophecies that are fulfilled, you know, in, in the passion, in, in that last moment. And, and then, of course, um, you know, um, he, he dies. He, 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 you know, and uh, there's things said like, you know, uh, mother, you know, he tells John, you know, that he, that uh, this is, uh, his mother is his, uh, is John's mother now. And, and, uh, and, uh, and that Mary, to marry uh, his mother, that John is her son. And, and uh, Joseph, what is it? Joseph of Arimathea <laughs> buries him. And, um, you know, uh, there's just all of these things. The, the passion father is, is, uh, uh, it's one of those things that um, it's hard to get your, in your modern brain around and heart around. Why is that? I think uh, part of it is simply historical distance um, that we don't we don't often or always uh, treat an execution as a as an event for public entertainment. We have right. a, we have a rather sanitized view of of crime and punishment in some ways. I, I think part of it is is the root of the word passion itself, suffering. Yeah, compassion is the virtue of suffering with. Someone else. Um, in many ways, our society has made the elimination of suffering the highest moral good. Mm. Anything we can do to avoid suffering, right. Right. to right. eliminate suffering, to sanitize suffering right. from our midst, um, is is good. That's right. Um, and I'm not suggesting that suffering is is a good thing. I'm suggesting that there is meaning to be found. Mm-hmm. Um, in accepting what suffering comes our way uh, and to recognize that in the Christian tradition, um, our core experience is life from death, yeah. uh, possibility from suffering. Um, that is the central experience of the Christian. And the first experience that gives birth to this faith is the experience of hope in the midst of suffering. Um, yeah, that's good. Thank wow. You. Yeah. Anyone else want to weigh in? Um, and we'll get to Easter after the news break, but because <laughs> we're down to our last minute here, you know. But uh, but again, when you th- uh, this, the, you know, actually substitutional atonement, and that's a really fancy theological word or phrase. <laughs> but that it, not everybody's into that anymore. They, why did Jesus have to die? You know, you know, everything seems to be argued anymore in the Christian faith and. I'm a traditionalist myself, but anybody want to weigh in on that? You know, why did Jesus have to die? Well, I mean, the Bible we'll says 30 that, seconds. that he was this, this spotless lamb. Uh, I think going along with Father Shane, I mean, it. Jesus makes the ultimate prediction of his own death to his disciples, and they can't even wrap their heads around yeah. it. You know, they, yeah, and it, it made their brains explode, exactly. didn't it? Yeah. I mean, it was only after his resurrection that they realized he is the Son of God, he is the Christ, he is the Messiah. We have uh, with us uh, uh, Pastor Colby Atkins, he's from Elevate Church, Pastor Matt Judd from Glenwood United Methodist Church, Pastor Lamech Marsh from Gerard Alliance Church, and Father Shane Matthew from Gannon University. And you can get a hold of us and uh, weigh in and ask a question at 679-1080. is our local number here. And so uh, we've been kind of just re- reviewing and reminding ourselves of 
the uh, the events of Holy Week as accounted for in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are the biographies of of the person of Jesus here on earth. And, um, uh, you know, we kind of got to Good Friday, Jesus passes, and uh, and then on Sunday, um, the, the, the narrative goes where some women go to the go to the tomb and um, he is not there. Uh, and there's, you know, uh, depending on the gospel that you're reading, you, you, you find out that the, the stone was rolled away and the what were you going to say, Pete? But you you skip Saturday, Joel. Well, OK, so what happens on Saturday? Well, you have a panel yeah. of experts. Yeah, okay. What happened on Saturday? I don't even know. Pretty much nothing. I, yeah, they were just kind of waiting. I'd say the reality set in for um, these followers of Jesus. Saturday yeah. was probably a day of, of discouragement, of hopelessness, of, hey, what did we give our life for? Yeah. You know, and what's going on? Obviously, it was a day of, of waiting. Um, I think there was a lot of confusion on Saturday on, on one hand. You know, yeah. probably some of the... The Pharisees, Sadducees, the religious elite—you know—we're celebrating. Yeah, they're they're um, doing high fives, they're right? High-fiving. But I think for many, man, it was a day of grief and mourning, and uh, just really kind of, what do we do? Where do we go from here? You, you, you know? get a picture of that uh, in the late in the later narrative about the the two men to Emmaus, right? Mm-hmm. You just kind of get a sense of their total grief and and again like what pastor colby said what just happened we thought we were going to have a messiah and now he's not right, here right and uh and but then then sunday sunday's on the way you know i always think about the <laughs> carmen song you know for people that know christian music from way back when um uh talk who wants to weigh in on sunday somebody jump in you know uh on you know uh well i'll ask a question this way how significant is it that the first person to find out that Jesus is risen is a woman? And again, if we understand first century context, women were not at any equal uh, social status as the men, right? I, th- I think it's very significant. If you want to talk about the proofs for the resurrection, for example... Some people say, well, Jesus didn't really die, right. or the disciples stole the body, or whatever. Here's, here's the reality. Uh, women in the Jewish culture were not permitted to, be, to give testimony in a court of law. So to have the women be the first witnesses, if you're making something up, and you're trying to make it valid and make sense, this is not the way to do it. Right. Uh, and so the women showing up is, is very significant because... It points to the validity of Jesus' resurrection because they they were they were not capable in that time as it, as it was understood um, of giving testimony that was reliable. Mm-hmm. And so there you have it. There's lots of other proofs for the resurrection, mm-hmm. but that's one right there that that is really significant um, when we're going to debate if Jesus was really raised or not. The fact that the women are included and in all the gospels lay it out that way yeah i think that's very powerful a very very powerful witness and and the, and the fact that it wasn't even just any women but it was women that had uh not the greatest reputations in in the town right i mean yeah, they, had a, they had a history they had a history they had yeah. history all right so uh jesus is risen 
you know, and he appears in front of his disciples. And so that's basically what we celebrate in Holy Week. So let's let's go down the line here at Lamech. I'm going to ask you to talk about Gerard Alliance Church. What what do you guys have uh, scheduled uh, for for Holy Week? I mean, we, you- ha- we have our main service at 1030. Um, and we uh, we really just look forward to uh, the, the worship, the atmosphere that we create. Um, obviously, um, there are visitors, quite quite a few visitors on Easter Sunday uh, that we may or may not see uh, before or after. Uh, and so we just we really want to express um, what Christ has done, the uh, excitement of it, uh, the mm-hmm. passion that we have for it, and and hopefully that they they get that they get they get that passion in that sense of listen Christ is risen he is alive what we do here on sunday morning and every other sunday morning or or our faith in general um is able to be done because yeah. Christ is risen. And you'll have, obviously, Palm Sunday services. Do you do anything else during the week? Will we, you have a Good we, Friday service? or we, we don't have a Good Friday service this okay. week, okay. Um, or this, this year, um, but, but we, have, we have in the past. We yeah. look forward to the Good Friday. We've done a Tenebrae service where, you know, it starts out bright and, and goes, you know, pretty dark, um, mm-hmm. and by the end we walk out uh, in silence, uh, remembering what Christ has sacrificed. For us, so how about uh, how about elevate uh, and Pastor Colby? Um, uh, what's what's the Holy Week look like for you guys, and how are you approaching it? Yeah, uh, historically we've done a separate Good Friday service, uh, and then our Easter stuff would start on on Saturday. We already do a Saturday evening mm-hmm. thing. Um, this year, we're actually our Easter services will start on Friday, uh, just space limitations. We just need it, yeah. and so um, we'll kind of walk people through the whole you know, kind of story from, from Friday to Sunday. Gotcha. And so we're running, we're, we're doing six identical services, Friday evening to Saturday, three Sunday morning. And um, yeah, really, I don't, we don't view Easter as a time to uh, build the church, so to speak. We right. think there's 365 days of the year to do that, <laughs> you know, really. Uh, and so we're, we're always trying to, you know, reach people. Um, but we all have to admit that at every church, yeah. There's people that come out for Christmas and come out for Easter. And I'll say this I, for me, and it might not be the case for these guys, but Easter is one of those. It's a hard, it's hard to preach because I think a lot of people show up. They show up on Christmas and Easter, and want to have a fresh kind of message, a fresh take. Um, but you know, cats out of the bag. Every year is kind of the same. Every year Jesus dies. Yeah. Every year he's buried, and every year he comes back to life. Yeah, right. Yeah. And every Christmas, you know, an angel visits Mary. There's a baby. So mm-hmm. it doesn't change. But I think you know, trying to tell those people that that might check out church for the first time once again uh, what Jesus has done for them. Yeah. You know, in a way that you know connects with them is huge. And so we try to capitalize on those opportunities. We loved. The Good Friday service that we did, mm-hmm. uh, we just, you know, don't have the space for it. And unfortunately, you can't put Good Friday service on Thursday. That just no, make that sense. just yeah. And so we just are going to start Easter <laughs> on Friday. Okay, uh, Father Shane, are, are you going to be working any churches this week? Well, uh, thanks be to God, Gannon's on break, so uh, <laughs> there will be no Easter services at Gannon. Uh, but I will be helping at um, Our Lady of Peace and at St. Jude. Um, so Our Lady of Peace, we begin Thursday night uh, with the evening. Well, let's back up the Palm yeah. Sunday because uh, you'll do the palms, right? I yes. mean, um, and that's always was a favorite uh, part of that experience of. 
mm-hmm. you know, everybody gets a palm and, and takes them home and things. And, right. then, and then Holy Thursday, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, Holy Thursday. Actually, traditionally, the observance begins in the morning okay. uh, at the cathedral church uh, with what's called the Chrismas. Uh, where the bishop and the priests and the people of the region gather together uh, to, speaking of memory, um, bring forward the memory of sacrificial priesthood, um, expressed most beautifully in the the person of Jesus, uh, and retained sacramentally in the Catholic tradition uh, in ordained priesthood, um, along with the mandate to service. Okay. Which then flows into the evening mass, Holy Thursday night, which is the Eucharist and the, the you know the commemoration of the of the Lord's Supper, right. um, which the flow all makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then we keep prayer through the night. Um, we have the Good Friday service, the commemoration of the Lord's Passion um, at Our Lady of Peace at one thirty. Uh, the only day of the year where no mass is offered anywhere in the Catholic Church ever. Um, there is no mass, Good Friday, in any Catholic Church anywhere on earth. Wow. Um, and then getting back to something that you mentioned earlier, uh, Holy Saturday is really only quiet until dark. Okay. Uh, going back to the, to the ancient tradition of the church, uh, initiation began to crystallize around the night before Easter Sunday. They call it the vigil, right? The Easter vigil, uh, which in the Catholic tradition is the highest service of the year. Wow. Uh, it begins at dark, uh, so this year, 9 o'clock, um, and begins with a service of light, um, the opposite of that tenebrae you observe. We, you know, we light and bless fire. Yeah. Um, and do a vigil of readings, basically salvation history in seven readings or less. Um Culminating then with the announcement of the resurrection of the Lord, which flows into a blessing of water and an initiation of of, of newly baptized adult Catholics. Those are those are when you uh, baptize the adults. Correct. Is, uh, on the and and is it generally just down at the cathedral for that, or, or do multiple churches do the, the vigil? The the vigil is done uh, at at most parishes. Okay. Um, you know, we have parishes that have more than one building, mm-hmm. so they may only have one, but there would be one in many of our parishes yeah. as well as the cathedral. And then on Sunday morning, tons of tons of services. Yeah, it's our usual Sunday, usual yeah. Sunday schedule. I think is is where we fall. So at Our Lady of Peace, it's seven thirty nine eleven, and at St Jude, it's seven thirty nine ten thirty. Wow, so you'll you'll be taking one or two of those, I'm sure. Yeah, I'll be around. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and what I love about again in, in the Catholic Church, everything has meaning, everything has connection, and so the vestments change mm-hmm. on Sunday. You know, again as a as a uh, qualified altar boy, I'm certified. Um, uh, you know, we you know we went from I think the red and the and the purple right mm-hmm. to uh, to the white. Yeah, on, we'll on be Easter. this Holy Week. We'll be all over the place. Red for Palm Sunday, purple Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, white on Thursday, red on Friday, um, and then back to white, and then your Sunday best for Easter. Yeah, very cool. Uh, how about Glenwood, Pastor Matt? Uh, what's your Holy Week look like? Uh, we do start with Palm Sunday. Um, our our folks always <laughs> love that one. Um, and do you do palms at Glenwood? We do palms. Yeah. And, you, you know, it's a matter of the kids not 
putting each other's eye out. <laughs> you know, you start whipping them around, and right. uh, you wave them while you sing, That's and right. then you. They they can you snap and your, hurt you. I mean, oh, yeah. You can get a welt. Yeah, you take out your sibling, ticked you off before church, um, and then we uh, we do a number of services together with other United Methodist uh, congregations in the city. Uh, for us, Holy Week is really a chance to celebrate the common bond we have in Christ. Mm-hmm. Too often, we let denominational lines and theological lines and those things divide us. Um, when really Holy Week is about being together. And recognizing, recognizing for all the things that, that we sometimes point out where we're different, uh, what holds us together is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's the reason why we're all here. It's the reason why we exist. It's the reason why the church does what it does. Um, if Jesus dies and stays dead, you know, yeah. pack it up, go home, because we're all living a lie. Um, so that's why I think an apologetic for the resurrection is so significant. Mm-hmm. So we, we do um, Thursday, Holy Thursday. Uh, that's going to be at Kingsley United Methodist this year at seven, and then we do a Good Friday. Uh, we're going to host that this year at seven. What was the whole Maundy Thursday? What does that mean? That word? I'm not even sure. Someone <laughs> wanna, I yeah. I didn't ever quite understood what Maundy meant. Okay, and it's a very archaic term. So it's I just went to term. Holy Thursday because gotcha. people and everybody's getting out to Google. There you go. It's going to yeah. help us out. <laughs> everybody's. Um, <laughs> And so, and then on Easter, I have, I have yeah. four seminarians in front of me, and nobody knows what Mondi means. Come on, I don't know. Well, I don't. I must I'm have sorry. missed that I, class. I, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, and then All we're right, going to okay. do. A, there sense. you go. You're go, you in go ahead, pass. Uh, According to, uh, and this this does make sense. Uh, Mondi is a, a derivation of the Latin term mandatum. Which refers to that commandment of service. Oh, okay. it comes from John's Gospel, and we interpret uh, what Jesus does at the Lord's Supper. At His Supper in John is not the institution of Eucharist. Mm-hmm. There is that happens in John six and the multiplication of loaves and fish. We read in John the washing of the feet, unique among the four. Right. Uh, and so after Jesus washes, he takes off his robes. He washes the feet of the disciples. He and Peter have a conversation about what this means. Jesus teaches. Peter doesn't get it. We've all been there. <laughs> then he puts his robes back on. He sits down and says, do you see what I have done for you? I have given you a model to follow. As yeah. I have done for you, so now you must do for each other. That's the mandatum. Okay. And since we read this on Holy Thursday and that evening Mass of the Lord's Supper, mandatum Mondi through French. Okay, and yeah. There we go. And, and, and uh, I know that some ver- somewhere in Holy Week there is an optional washing of feet, right? It's uh, not optional. Oh, what, what 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 night do you do that? Holy Thursday night. You do it on Thursday night. Yes. Okay, yeah, gotcha. it's, part, it's part of the evening mass of the Lord's Holy Supper. Thursday. It it is not optional. It okay. Is, uh, the Pope uh, has a ceremony in St. Peter's where he right. washes. He washes uh, usually the. The least of these, if you will, uh, and the Pope. Let's get, let's get back to Glenwoods. Okay, so you've got uh, you've got uh, Holy Thursday, and then you'll do. Will you do good? We'll do you, a good Friday at, as you're well. You're doing Holy Thursday at Kingsley, and then you'll do Good Friday, good Friday at Glenwood. At Glenwood. Yeah. And again, those are among uh, several of the United Methodist churches in town. Oh, and anybody come, else that to wants you. to, yeah. yeah. I mean, join us if you yeah, want. Yeah, um, love to have it. And then. Uh, Sunday morning, we're going to try something new this year. We're going to do a sunrise service. Oh. We're going to do it at 7. I know sunrise like 6.30, but since sunrise moves, you yeah. know, and <laughs> we're going to do it inside because we know Erie. Yes. And you yeah. always hear these stories that we had a sunrise service on Easter and it snowed on us and it was yes. 40 mile an hour. Yeah. So we're going to be inside because... Yeah. 
I'm a baby, I guess. And um, it and would we'll be cool together. one of these days to get an, enough of you, enough of the pastors together, and do a sunrise down at Liberty Park. Wouldn't that be kind of slick? Although it'd be very, very cold. You know, yeah. I mean that that prevailing winds off the bay. On on an April Sunday morning would be pretty tough, right? Sometimes it ends up just the pastors when that happens. Oh yes, and right. that's why sunrise right. services are not as popular because the pastor says, "I'm not going to stand out here by myself." <laughs> right. So, so and then you'll have a normal uh, and normal no. service at nine thirty. Okay, yeah. awesome. All right. So, all right, so here's the big question: uh, uh, keeping the passion relevant for the people. Um, you know, I mean, there's power mm. in the in God's word, in the scripture itself, in the narrative. Mm. Um, but so many of us, just as we were even talking about today, don't know the narrative, don't know, you know, all all, all that happened. Um, you know, but somehow there's there's this for many of us, there's this innate feeling, and this is why we come to church at Christmas and Easter sometimes, that we have to do something on these particular days. How do we keep the passion relevant? Anyone want to take that? Go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say, um, yeah, man, we just we just preach Jesus and the the resurrection. Uh, resurrection is not something that happened when, right? It's something that happens that can happen inside of our lives when we trust what Jesus did on the cross for us. When we believe that God raised Him from the dead, right? Well, that's when we're saved, and so. Um, just letting people understand all that Jesus did for them and that they still can tap into that that resurrective power for their lives today. Mm-hmm. That God wants to restore them, that God wants to redeem them. He wants to put them back to the original purpose that he created them for. But it starts with, you know, first putting your trust in Jesus and his death on the cross for mm-hmm. their sins. And of course, ultimately, the fact that he was raised to life. And so um, I think just sharing the story of Jesus, and we don't have to get fancy, we don't have to get slick, anything like that. Just tell people, you know, what Jesus did for them and how much he loved them, that he didn't want to do heaven without him, right? That he wanted them with them. And so uh, how he bridged that gap, and that's still available for them today. And what, you know, with our, with our lives, like I'm not a, a pastor is my, is my position is not my identity. My identity is the fact that I'm a, a child of God. And so ultimately, you know, how I, you know, focus during the season is just to remember that. And if he can come alive inside of me every single day, right, then I'm going to be able to help point people to that same life, you know, in Christ that I have. And so just make it simple, make it plain, um, and just point people to Jesus. I think there. Go, go ahead, Lena. Yeah, I was just gonna. I was just gonna say for myself. Um, I think it starts. It has to start with the leadership. It has to start with the pastors. It has to start with the fathers. It has to start with um, priests. All of those who are in leadership. Because if you are not passionate and excited about what Christ did. Yeah. How do you expect your people to be? And so for me, this past month, I started, uh, you know, God gave me this this uh, vision for ultimate prediction that Jesus, um, you know, right up before this passion, he tells his disciples about the ultimate prediction of his suffering, rejection, death, and resurrection. Mm-hmm. And, and, and going into triumphal entry this week, I, I agree with Colby, it, it's difficult to preach Easter sermons and, yeah. and all of that because everybody's heard them, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, this, this year, though, I, I'm excited for this Sunday um, because I mentioned, and it, and it just came to me, I've been, I've been studying 
reading the Bible since I was saved, you know, mm-hmm. uh, at the age of 11. And so nine and 11 and, and, and the, the part of triumphal entry, um, the first thing Jesus does after he flips over the tables, right? When he goes into the temple, the first thing he does is that he heals the blind and the lame. Yeah. And the cool thing about that is if you go back to Leviticus twenty one eighteen, God says those priests who are unworthy to enter because of their because of their um disabilities um because um of their you know uh handicaps the blind and the lame were the first to be told you can't come near wow. and so and so now we think oh my goodness the first thing Jesus does after he comes into Jerusalem and into the temple through the triumphal entry is he heals the very people God said you can't come near yeah. and so that passion that we have for the, for the scripture um to exude that um through the pulpit through when we preach um i mean it's it's all by the power of the holy spirit you know um living inside of us and through us because yeah. of christ's resurrection that's good. That's good. I, I was gonna uh say father shane you know um bishop persigo uh, you know is one of one of his primary uh uh, things that he's promoting these days is that uh, um, you know that that faith being lived out. You know the the daily walk, if you will. Mm-hmm. And and again, when we had him on uh, on the air here about a month or so ago, uh, two months ago now, and um, just talking about that that every day beyond church, being kind of that agent of service, that agent of grace. That really comes out of Holy Week, like what you've been saying, right? Absolutely. I I think um, one of the words I try to use in class with my students is that of integrity, Um, that we are who we are wherever we are. So if we are disciples of Christ in the pews and we are not disciples of Christ in our homes, in our classrooms, in our businesses, in our marketplaces, to what extent can we claim discipleship? Right. You know, if the grace of God has been effective in us and has not touched all of those places, I think we have some work to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I strongly echo and completely disagree with, with how Bishop Persico has expressed that uh, in this show and in, in, in other places, which is part of what makes Easter so fantastic. Yeah. Um, I recognize the challenge, you know, everybody knows the end of the story, you know, spoiler alert, you know, how do you preach? How do you preach when everybody knows the end of the story? Right. Well, I, I, I noticed that, that on Easter Sunday, right, the vestments are just a little bit different. The church is, at least in our Catholic churches, uh, they're a little bit more decorated. The people who come every Sunday, they're a little bit more dressed. The people who don't come are a little bit more present. Everything yeah. is a little bit more yeah. on Easter Sunday, yeah. um, which I hope speaks to the activity of God's grace in us, that regardless of, of where we might find ourselves on the other 51 Sundays, today, here we are. Yeah. Um, and that is a tremendous gift and, and an opportunity um, to maybe share the fact that the ending of the story didn't change from last year. Wow. But we have moved. Yeah. And so what does the, the resurrection of Christ say to us now? And where do we take it from here? 